Welcome to VG Empire. Two very special guests in this episode. Uh, special? Well, well, I mean, fine. You can rescind your specialness <laughs> if you'd like. Uh, uh, Patrick Kulikowski, uh, recurring VG Empire guest. Yeah, and you brought uh, another, even dare I say, even more special guest. With definitely, us. definitely uh, more special. And joined uh, for the first time in the studio by Alexander Brandon. I'm uh, the composer for a bunch of games. One of them's Deus Ex. That's awesome. Yes, it's <laughs> only a handful of composers that have actually been on the show. So thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a busy week in SF. So uh, GDC I week. The time. Yeah. But what brought us in was the title screen to Deus Ex. Yes. Which I'll be upfront. Like I know very little about the first two because this is the exact time frame when my PC gaming was basically zero. Oh man. Um, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. It was like, oh, does it have polygons in it? My computer will not run that. <laughs> uh, so. This is a soundtrack I've listened to a lot because I have no qualms about, oh, is the music good? I will totally listen to this music and not have any tie to the game at all. But yeah. that's why, Pat, you've been saying for a long time, like, we got to do a Deus Ex episode. And it and... has to be with Alex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, take it away, man, because I'm, I'm, that title screen was awesome. Like, it went a yeah. lot of places. Like, I got, like, espionage feel. I got techno future feel. I yeah. got I, a lot that was wrapped up in that. I, I was always taken aback when booting the game up for the first time by how, like, triumphant... It sounds, uh, it's like a hell of a way to kick off the game. Just, you know, at, at that point, I'm just spending time going over the options, changing my controls and stuff, but this music is going on. It's just <laughs> got me invested from, like, the very beginning. So Sound effects, like, volume yeah. adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess, uh, before we get started real quick, like, how did you get into music, uh, into the games industry? How did you end up with Ion Storm to start composing for Deus Ex? Well, let's see. I started with games in uh at the beginning with when uh, my parents got an ad lib synthesizer card for me and around 1988 or so mm -hmm. 1987 88 right around when it came out and that was really sort of the entry into uh just essentially computer music that wasn't pc speaker and mm -hmm. so i was amazed by what i could hear and i was already into nintendo music uh, a friend of mine jason emery was like playing stuff over the phone from metroid <laughs> and 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 kid icarus and all those other games mm. and so i was i was you know i was hooked and uh that was really the, the the start of that and so i took the ad lib and i wrote a whole bunch of songs on it and then um uh, that same jason emery was making a parallax scrolling engine with like uh, for a top-down shooter called Tyrion that we had submitted to epic games and epic said like oh this is a pretty cool game we'll uh you know, we'll publish this for you. And um, as a matter of fact, the guy that said the the, the our champion was Cliff Blazinski. Like wow. he, nice. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he was the one that like saw it and said, "Hey, this feels like Xanax for the NES." So yeah. like, and that was kind of one of our uh, original um, uh, inspirations. So I wrote the score for that. This this other guy, and Andreas Molnar from Germany, took the uh, ad lib and made it sound like a Sega Genesis because like the chipsets were very 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 similar mm -hmm. uh, they weren't I don't think they were identical but they were close enough to where he could program it to sound like a Genesis and I was like okay we're going to use your sound system and we did and it ended up sounding like really you know not too bad and he wrote a few songs and went out um and so that led to, uh, since we were already with Epic, that led to uh, Unreal, which was mm -hmm. using a mod engine and not an mm -hmm. FM synthesis engine. And so mm -hmm. uh, I had some experience on the Amiga, and that's great because the Amiga really, again, kicked off a revolution of yeah. amazing game sound, uh, mm -hmm. just sure, music, yeah. you know, underground music, period. So mm -hmm. um, I wrote a bunch of tunes on the Amiga, but that, that gave me the, the kind of sort of training I needed to get into mods. And so I, the, at the point where the Unreal engine was being made, uh, we said, "Hey, let's use mods. Let's not use general MIDI because it wasn't. We were right on the edge of when mm -hmm. people like uh, Jeremy Sewell were writing the soundtrack for Total Annihilation and hiring an entire orchestra to do it. Yeah. 
So yeah, since it was right around, I think it was the same year the Total Annihilation actually came out. So like qualitatively, it's kind of hard to sort of make a comparison there. Like, you know, you've, if you just discount the technology, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, mods were still, you know, people really dug them and, and you could do oh, some yeah, really yeah, cool yeah. different you did, things Brad. with them. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Unreal was like we got this inspiration for uh, from like these two art books, Rodney Matthews and Roger Dean that did uh, album covers for Yes. And um, uh, let's see who else. I don't, I don't know, just like 70s prog bands. And there were these really fantastic like paintings and pictures that we were looking at that gave us like the spark of like, okay. Uh, let's put some weird sort of synthy fantasy. What does synth fantasy sound like? And it's not just ambient, like uh, yeah, yeah. Tangerine Dream of the 70s or anything like that. Like we wanted some arpeggiated stuff, some really more emotional stuff. So that went into Unreal. And by that time, uh, I had, since I knew the Unreal Engine and I, I, had, had, I was really one of the only audio people associated with it at that time, um, I had contacted Ion Storm because Warren Spector, I was just a huge fan of System Shock mm, and the yeah. Ultima, the Ultima Six, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, he said, "Hey, why don't you, you know?" Uh, as a matter of fact, it was his lead programmer that was like big on mod technology as well, Chris Norden, who now works at uh, Sony as a very high up engineer. He uh, he said, "We got to bring this guy as an, in as an audio director." And at that point, I was doing freelance, and the freelance gigs had mostly run out, except for whatever might have come from Ion. So he's like, "Hey, do you want a job?" I'm like, "Yes!" <laughs> so moved down to Austin. It was it was a choice, oddly enough, between Ion and being a sound designer at Retro, working on the Metroid oh. Prime series. Oh, oh man, <laughs> that was a tough choice, but. Yeah. You know, audio director for you know a guy that I really you know admired in all the games for PC and the the franchise that got me you know Metroid that got me into the whole thing in the first place, but only being yeah. doing sound design, mm-hmm. so that that made the that made the choice a little bit easier. So I guess I mean I kind of understand, but I guess since you're here, like, could you describe like the difference between like sound director and composer i mean i absolutely kind of get it but like it would be cool to actually have like a this is what it means and, there's a lot of different terms uh, uh-huh. particularly when you uh, or companies like ea for example mm-hmm. use the term director mm. as producer or at least they used okay. to like you know in the early 2000s up until like, at least 2004 2005 like director would be the person that would actually do the schedule and the budget and make okay. sure the team's ah, on task they had yeah and so like they but i don't know if that's still the case but mm. usually like when you're at an average game company, like, yeah. you know, like everybody else, um, like audio director is somebody that goes in and is responsible for a budget schedule mm-hmm. and uh, usually also creative direction, listening to okay. the game and making sure that the overall cohesive experience sounds really good. Uh, it conforms to things, things like loudness standards, which we actually have to do nowadays legally. Huh. Um, oh, wow. And uh, just making sure that uh, that like if especially if it's an IP that exists, sticking to uh, the correct points of the franchise right, and like making Star Wars. The, blaster effects and stuff like that exactly Uh. we just had a best mix review for game audio network guild at pyramind last night Mm -hmm. uh thanks to greg gordon yay um (laughs) he runs pyramind and he uh we went through battlefront and i've got to say it's the first game that feels like you are in a star wars film. it's crazy yeah Yeah. so yeah so ben minto was the audio director on that with dice and Mm. uh so he was the one he would have been the one that like you know as he's you know playing the game he's like uh, other than like the producers and then the ip holders like disney uh he would be the one that would be in charge of interpreting Mm. those ip holders and the stakeholders and saying and telling the sound team what they need to do so that's audio director um like you know composer writes the music 
Sometimes a composer will integrate the music. Mm. Uh, usually there will be somebody that that mm. does that separately because, you know, like, for example, Jack Wall will say, uh. I, I only write music and I keep my skill set focused and honed on writing music. And that totally is a great way to go. Sometimes, especially in the indie ca- community, you can't really specialize like that. You gotta wear a lot of hats. To, exactly. For sure. So... Anyway, so there's that. That there's composer. There's also audio lead. Mm-hmm. Audio lead uh, is usually somebody that will be in charge of one particular aspect of the game. Like you could have an audio lead that just does sound design, or you can have audio lead that's just in charge of, like in the case of most likely uh, in uh, for Battlefront, there was probably somebody in charge of reverb for the entire game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like you know, when you get bigger teams, yeah. you can specialize and you can have somebody that's in charge of a particular aspect, and they interpret the audio director's overall uh, directives. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then there's sound designer that does all the sound effects and, and whatnot. I mean, this is great insight because, I mean, working at a publisher for years, well, working at press first, and then even as press where you think you kind of know the industry. Even you don't. I, you, you don't. <laughs> and, then, and then when you actually work on the other side for a while, and then even now hearing this, it's like you, you, you realize the when someone asks a question of a game, like, why don't you just do blank, blank, blank? And it's like, do you have any idea how much work goes in? Yeah. <laughs> and and money. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that. There's, there's like just th- someone that just does reverb. It's like, that is someone's task. Like that's, for yeah. a game of that size. Ex- yeah. Exactly. No, that, and that it's, it's um, Blizzard has a 60 person audio team. I believe mm. it's around 60 or something like that. I mean, Russell can correct me. I know 60 people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, no, but the, uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because in um, I was think th- think I was talking about um, in the uh, in the indie realm as as opposed to AAA mm-hmm. there are situations that you get into where it's really easy to take a look at something and have some like one person handle every aspect of the audio yeah. like in the in the days of Thief Eric Brosius did pretty much mm. everything like 90% of the game was like him and it was because he insisted it be mm-hmm. that way like he like there were before that there were people that would like uh, in 3D studio artists would set audio zones but like he took a look at that process and he was just like no that's ridiculous it's stupid it doesn't make any sense whatsoever it's a waste of people's time it's a waste of my time and their time I have to be the one to do this and so mm-hmm. he now of course it, he worked really hard in order yeah. to do it but it, it, it in the end the overall result like that was my, one of my first sort of light bulb going off moments of like oh you really gotta be an asshole sometimes <laughs> and I'm sorry you really you've really <laughs> approved you've, okay, you've, you, you, you've got to you know put your foot down about a lot of different things when it comes to just what you have a stakeholder in mm-hmm. as far as how your passion for audio goes yeah. you, if you want to keep it to just sound and there's a lot of people like Chance Thomas like uh, great composer uh, worked on you know Avatar and the whole, uh, let's see uh, most recently Jeez. Oh, well, not most recently, but like King Kong. Uh, and so it's just in the, the game versions. And so right. he's a brilliant composer, but he's, you know, like when he first started his huge sound group, he was, he was looking to me just to be like, Alex, I really don't, I'm not that interested in integration. Like mm. the actual integration work, he loves like figuring out like how the music, like making the music fit is super, super. I mean, if we, we also played Ori in the Blind Forest last night for Best Mix. Oh, nice. And... Like yeah. that soundtrack mm-hmm. is 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 it? It's not just about the music. It is about how it rises and falls with mm-hmm. what happens on screen. Now with two D side scrolling, it's a little easier to get a handle on yeah. you know how controlling those events yeah, and how they. So many ways someone's going to arrive at that 
exactly yeah but at the same time it's not that easy to really make something seamless and they Mm -hmm. and they and they really did like gareth and whoever it was that did the actual integration whether it was gareth or somebody else so anyway having said that it's like you know sometimes you have things that are really split out in a triple a environment yeah and sometimes you have like like one person that really feels the need to like manage everything Mm -hmm. because it stays cohesive that way Mm -hmm. and so you man you would be the main manager of deus ex in that case the music because i know there were co-composers uh Forgive me for mispronouncing. Oh, oh I can't Michiel wait for yeah. Van den Bos. Michiel Van den Bos. Michiel Van den Bos. Michiel. Michiel. Dan Gardapay. Gardapay. Yeah. And Reeves Gabriels. Reeves right? Gabriels. Gabriels. Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> cool. Three. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reeves Gabriel. Hey, I, I butcher Japanese names like seven days a week. So oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Reeves only did the uh, bar music, though, right? Yes, or... and he used to be Peter Gabriel. Uh, sorry, David Bowie's. Guitarist. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not know that. Wow. So, and he, it was Warren that hooked hooked us up, and I was like all nervous. And <laughs> so, I, but I, I talked to the guy on the phone, and he's like, "Yeah, I've got Pro Tools stems. I can just send you from these songs." And I'm wow. like, "Okay." And I carefully cut the instrumentation out, and then rebuild it in the mods. And then I very nervously, like he he listens to him. Uh, or I export it, and then he listens to him, and he's like, "Nope, this sounds great. Like wow. you did, you did great stuff with this." And I'm like, oh. "That's awesome." Because usually, when you present mods to somebody that's used to studio tracks, they'll oh, they'll, they'll yeah. be like, eh. right. "But yeah. he he liked it. He, that's he, cool." He, uh, so, so yeah. I guess uh, a bit of history about Deus Ex for the people listening who are aren't aware of it, or I, it's been I pity, years. I, I pity yeah. you, but no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it's very cyberpunky. I would say it's like a cyberpunk dystopian. First-person shooter mixed with action RPG, like a cool hybrid of the both. And the story, I love how the story is based on, like, conspiracy theories, like Area 51, CIA drug trafficking. Illuminati. Illuminati, Majestic Mm. 12, uh, government manufactured viruses, that whole thing. Mm. But it makes it, like, real within this world. And so Mm. you're... You play J.C. Denton, who you can customize to be your own. He's, like, a nano-augmented... UNATCO agent, I believe it is, United Nations Anti-Terrorist Coalition. That's right, UNATCO. You pronounced that right. Nice, yes. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, foreign names. Of course, Bob Page does say it at the beginning of the game. That's right. UNATCO. UNATCO. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the game begins, shockingly enough, and this is a pre-9-11 world this game came out in, uh, a local terrorist force, the National Secessionist Secessionist forces, NSF, bombs the Statue of Liberty. I love NSF. I, um, I was going to say no, no. It's between between the NSFs the, from playing NES music. Yeah. Oh to, right. To, well, but how many times do you have like a food product and you look at the like label and it oh, says NSF on yeah. it? It's a conspiracy. Man. I was going to say it goes all like, the way to the top. Yeah. GMOs. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so Iron Storm was comprised of like remnants of Looking Glass mm-hmm. and a bunch of others, headed by Warren Spector. Um, Spectre was pretty much given like free reign by John Romero to like make the game he wanted to make in this case. So mm. Iron St- Storm put out a bunch like Deus Ex, Anachronox, Daikatana, uh, Thief, Deadly Shadows. Um, so yeah. um, I didn't get into Deus Ex until like around 2001, 2002. So that was the game of the year version. Mm. And uh, my brother introduced it to me. And I love how inside the box it came with not only the soundtrack... It was like a remastered tracks mm-hmm. uh, within the CD, but it had all like like a news like a faux newspaper clipping, oh like talking gosh, about like cool. like you know dystopian stuff. Was that also a DRM thing of like you turn on the game and like on page thirty seven you will find <laughs> a news clipping? What is the headline? No, not exactly. No, <laughs> but it's just neat stuff that 
takes you into the realm of Deus Ex before you even like install the game, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I thought was really cool. So um, I was always blown away by how open that game is. It's very way ahead of its time. Um, sure, the graphics and the AI haven't aged uh, that well but uh, over the years, but super fun to explore the world. I love how you can forge your own path. You can mm. stealth your way, snipe your way. Uh, guns blazing. You, you can, can hack talk your way. Hack your way. Yeah. You can talk your way out of things. Um, yeah, I assume Human Revolution. Yeah. Which I did finish Human Revolution, but right. off the back of how much you know accolades had been given to the first two. Yeah, and that's what I loved about that, which I assume got it started in the first Deus Ex, which is like, Absolutely. oh, I got to get in this building, and the number of ways you would find your way all the way in, and then realize, oh, I could have done this this whole other way. And yeah, then that just makes you want to play, like reset the save, and now I got to try it again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I uh, to this day I still discover new things to do in that's the cool. original Deus Ex, like mm-hmm. new ways to carry out an objective. Um, there's this age old axiom of. When somebody mentions Deus Ex, you get the urge to reinstall it. <laughs> it's every, so true. I'm probably going to reinstall it. Someone yeah. reinstall it. Exactly. I assume yeah. it's on Steam. At the, like, oh, right. yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. very, very cheap. Yeah, obtainable game right GOG now. Steam. Okay, uh, as cool. well as its sequel, Invisible War. Yes. And both come with the soundtracks if you buy from GOG, I think. So. Nice. Yeah. So I guess we'll get into some of the music uh, mm-hmm. now. But uh, funny enough, one of the first picks uh, was not one you composed. Uh, it was, uh, sorry, Mikhail, was that it? Michiel. Michiel. I was so close. If, if I, and seriously, like, he, when <laughs> last time I told him about that, like, because he, there was a podcast for Unreal Tournament, the new one, uh, and he's got a track in there, which is great. And he, uh, but, so, but somebody, like, butchered his name again, you know, and, and it's understandable. It's <laughs> yeah. not Sorry. the easiest thing to look at and pronounce. Like, almost yeah. everybody gets it wrong the first time. But, like, I was just, you know, I was just, I told him about that, and he's just like, I've just kind of given up. I just tell him to call me Mike. Yeah. And so, like, I was just like, okay. But, yeah, no, if, if, like, people that are fans of the score, like, I like to, like, because he seems to really appreciate it when people mm. get it right. So I'm yeah. just like, oh, well, you know, it's if you had a name, like, Patrick as opposed to Patrick or, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is Michelle Norris from NPR or something. Mm-hmm. Right. I wouldn't go, hi, Michelle. Yeah. So, right. yeah. So, Michiel, uh he composed the Unatco theme, which is a, yes. a big favorite of everyone. So uh, you, you mentioned with Reeves you kind of transferred it into the mod uh, music was it the same way where Mahil composed it and then you put it into no. the game? No, Mahil okay. was a mod guy from the get go. I see. Okay. I met him mm. from Age of Wonders, which was another epic game that had been made by Triumph Studios, and they have been they still make games, and he still does soundtracks for them. In fact, Age of Wonders three, I think, came out not too long ago, and he had like an actual studio written or you know like a digital audio workstation written score for that. Mm. Cool. But yeah, he would he 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 did the mods just and then would submit them, and they just pretty much went straight in. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to do Unaco, um, NYC Streets, which you composed, and uh, NYC Bar 2, which, was that Reeves as well, or that, was it you? That would be Reeves, yeah. Okay, Anything but you transposed be, it. Yeah, I would, I, would, okay. I would take it and put it into it. Okay, mm-hmm. so, sorry I didn't pick so many of yours for the initial batch, but uh, okay. no, we will get spread. into them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, again, that's uh, Unaco, uh, NYC Streets, and NYC Bar 2. Very wonderfully cyberpunky electronic mod music. Mm with a Vangelis flavor to it. Because it, if it's cyberpunk, it has to be Blade runner S. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's get started on those.
Wow, yeah, some of these, I guess one question I had like right away, like you were, as we were listening, you were noting like, oh, I can tell this is the game of the year version versus right. original. So I guess like what, were there layers added or elements that were changed? For yes, the instruments and like stuff. Like in, in that, in the UNATCO theme that you guys heard, mm-hmm. um, the, 
it was early on and there's a I mean it's easy to tell like if you especially if you okay. go to YouTube and look it up like there's a synth layer and I'm I'm trying to think of how to like sing it into the mic or whatever <laughs> it is but there's yeah there's a synth layer that plays and then stops like okay. most of it is is Michiel, but like I added a couple things here and there mm. uh, the title track like when you played the title track I could click, tell that wasn't the game of the year edition that was because, yeah. because when it reaches the uh, um uh, the, the synth section, mm-hmm. like uh, the non-orchestral area, like sort of the, one of the bridges, uh, it, I completely sort of revamped that for the game of the year. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. And I did, and that was all through like, a, I, yeah, it was a chord Triton actually, not a Trinity. Uh, Trinity was used on Unreal. Uh, then I went to a Triton, which was just the next chord synth model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I, I took a bunch of Triton samples and I used a Nuendo, uh, this, uh, this cool Steinberg digital audio workstation in order to just layer that stuff. Cause like, Oh great. I don't have to just work in mods. I can just create a CD mm-hmm. track. And that, that was sort of my first foray into doing that. Huh. So mm-hmm. it's a little, it's funny cause it's a li- still a little rough around the edges. Like if you listen to early CD ROM games, mm-hmm. you can tell that like people are just learning how to make music on a computer mm. not using mods or MIDI uh, for the first time, right. just recording stuff in and like getting tempo things wrong and other stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah. So I guess this is like a capability of the mod, but um, I've noticed in listening to the original game audio that there's an like a general exploration track. Then if you're detected by an enemy or a battle initiates uh, a battle track, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, a death track and a dialogue track all. With like variations on That's the right. on that exploration track, which I thought was pretty neat. Yeah, um, and as a matter of fact, I don't know if he's announced if, if he's publicized it. Stefan Schutz, who does like fifty games or a hundred games that you need to listen to before you die, mm. uh, yeah. goes through and talks specifically about the audio aspects mm. of various games that have been released, and mm. one of them is Deus Ex. Mm. And so I don't know. It's like Sound Librarian is actually the company that mm. he uh, he runs. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> so it started because he's done like thousands of of, uh, of of custom recorded sounds, and they're part of this overall Pro Sound uh, library. But mm. in addition, he has this really cool like educational content on his website, and that's one of the aspects of it. So cool. Uh, he just he de- he describes that really well as far as like how the music goes. And so so did uh, sorry did uh, did he uh, for the for the Unaco theme did he um do the variations too or was that you he did so, uh, so okay, like yeah so we we, we both had uh, i mean we established what the template would be and mm-hmm. say like there's an exploration track to combat there's dialogue and there's death uh occasionally there would be an intro and an outro like especially mm-hmm. for liberty island i don't think there's so much of an intro but yeah there's when the when the helicopter or the boat or I think oh it's like a, a segue kind leaves. of yeah. track yeah there'll be there'll be a little, little stinger yeah. exactly yeah. so all of those have to be separate sets of patterns because there's an overall strip on the side of this one of the screens you go to in the mod program that you're writing mm. the music in and it has it, it you lay out which patterns go in what order huh. so like you can put them in groups like so here's exploration and then we put a space and then here's and mm. it's 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 all you know double digit numbers so usually composers that look at this like you know get you know get into a mod program and freak out because uh, like you've got these other strips that actually determine which notes go where and you have to write everything tick by tick wow. and then put effects in this thing called an effects column and use hexadecimal and other stuff like that. Jeez. So it's that uh, approaches like like NES composing territory almost. Well, like, yeah, that's the thing. Well, yeah, I mean like the I I believe original NES stuff was written using MIDI uh programs. Like not 
you know, commercial MIDI mm. programs, but things that made a little more sense, like in terms of composition, mm. uh, really early on. And like, you know, maybe some of them was just pure programming, I'm possibly. But like, from what I gathered, like, you know, like uh, interviewing Hip Tanaka, he was just like, well, I would just use MIDI programs to input the notes, and then I they would all get translated into mm-hmm. something like that. So then I hear about like Brendan Becker and other folks like writing in in uh, Famitracker or Vert for right, that matter. Yeah, right. And it's like, and it's like, I look at it and I'm like going. <laughs> you kids are just so hardcore. You know, it's just like, even the original composers, I don't think got this crazy with mm. like manipulating everything. Oh, right. Uh, I could be completely wrong. Brendan might be sitting here and he's just like, Alex, you're totally, uh, that's not right at all. And it's like, <laughs> oh, sorry, or, or sketch for that matter. Right. So yeah. The NY streets when listening, uh, cause you mentioned earlier Metroid prime, like, and I, before it kicks up and gets a lot of the, you know, cyberpunk stuff, a, a lot of the, the first minute or so I'm like, man, this sounds just like, it sounded like what I would hear two years later in Metroid Prime. Kind right. Of like, Sweet. Like, that could uh, have been Metroid Prime music, everybody. Yeah. Like it, it, like it, it be, because it's that's okay. my form of reference. But like that's, uh, I, you know, I kind of see when you first land on Talon 4 and you're walking around and like the, it's raining. The and subtlety. It, it's yeah. a subtle. Ba-bom, it's it's ba-bom, not like beating yeah. you over the head yeah. with this music. Kind of like, you know, Doom is a shooter, but it's dun, it's dun, crazy dun, rock dun, and MIDI music. Yeah. Whereas this is. Yeah. But the, yeah, I liked it. it was a great atmosphere, yet also something I could get stuck in my head. Like it was a cool, a, a cool in between. There were two things, and I'm sorry I didn't mean uh, to cut anybody no, off. Here. Like good. there were two things that you reminded me of. One mm. of them was uh, I had someone had told me, "Hey, uh, the credits music for Skyfall." Uh, mm, huh. You have to contact Thomas Newman and tell him that he ripped off Deus Ex. Oh wow! And I was Did just, he? and I was like, "What? Come on, man!" Like you know, like, yeah. I, and I, I ha- I'm almost positive that, like, you know, that, you know, if if in fact I do meet the guy and <laughs> get to bow and say, like, you know, you're my hero and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and he actually says there was an influence there, then I'll just, you know, have to go to a, yeah. I don't know, I'll just faint and that sort of thing. <laughs> but oddly enough, there's a lot of similarities, huh. like in like some of the techniques that he was using. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, you know, normally someone will say that, and I'll and and I will go listen to the track they're talking about, and I'll be like. I have no clue where you're getting whatever it is. But as it turns out, yeah, the credits for for Skyfall uh, has a very, you know, deus ex-y type sound with that sort of cyberpunk aspect to it. Wow. The second thing is that if you you guys, I mean, being deus ex fans in in any capacity, Mm -hmm. have you heard of Bob and Threadbare? No, that's so. the first time. Okay, I've ever so heard John of him. Henderson, who uh, is uh, he, he uh, works in in Austin, and he's uh, you know he's done game development over the years. Uh, he used to work at NCSoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, he also runs this uh, game developer Beer Night, um, and uh, he's a secretary for IGDA Austin. So he. Um, uh, he recommended Bob and Threadbare, and Bob and Threadbare. You know how like you you have people like doing uh, let's plays, mm-hmm. right? Well, he does the what I consider the definitive Deus Ex let's play. Oh, well, wow. It is really well, you know, narrated. He mm-hmm. doesn't even so much do what I just did and pause and do all that <laughs> weird stuff. It's well, well done. And he talks about music. He talks about like, mm-hmm. but but mostly it's like you know, as you're playing, he'll he'll talk about the secrets, all the relationships in the game, uh, the types of play styles that you can use he's like well now i could do this but instead i'm going to do that and at the end of each thing there's like a conspiracy corner or mm. a something else philosopher's corner wow. and he like 20 minutes of uh. full presentation <laughs> of historical aspects wow. of like how the story ties into the real the illuminati yeah, yeah, yeah. and wow. like what you know like you know where sheldon picotti would have gotten inspiration for mm. x y uh, and z the writer, right? yeah. That's cool. and it is just 
mind blowing. Like the kind of things that you like the depth to which you can get into. Like so, if you're like I'm, I'm not so mm. hardcore that I've watched it all the way through. Sure. But it's just it's amazing. So I recommend it. Yeah, Bob and Threadbare yeah, yeah, yeah. and and Let's Play Deus Ex. I mean, great. I, I know there was one really deep moment towards the end when you're in the in Paris in Deus Ex. You talk to an AI called Morpheus, um, yeah. a blue orb face, and. It's the most fascinating conversation in the game because it's so relevant even today, like 16 years later, um, in the face of like the growth of social media and stuff. One of the quotes I think Morpheus says is, the need to be observed and understood was once satisfied by God. Now we can implement the same functionality with data mining algorithms. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. This <laughs> game predicted like social well, media. And the, and things, and the things that, I mean, Sheldon's the most humble human being you could possibly talk to. You could say that to him and give him a compliment and he'll be like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't know. Or, you know, you know, just be really yeah. cool and chill and, oh man. So yeah, he's that's there were there were a lot. Of, I mean, like the the fact that people keep talking about how the skyline of New York doesn't have the twin towers in it. Yeah, uh, in in uh, in the Liberty Island, you oh, don't wow. see the twin towers, oh. and the justification for that was terrorists destroyed. Them. Right, right, Jeez. yeah. This was before nine eleven. <laughs> well, there had been attempts on them already, so I guess right. uh, yeah, you could extrapolate that might happen. Pretty dark, but yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to say about the game is I love how it doesn't really penalize you for, uh, per se for being evil. Like, J.C. Denton, right. he remains the same old J.C. Denton in dialogue. I know he has that very, like, like yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to do how's, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got nerves of steel. Let's like, sound like we're in Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, he remains the same old J.C., and the plot rema- remains mostly linear until, like, the very end. But there's so many variables, outcome, like, dialogue changes, depending on what you do. Some people might, may never hear a certain word of dialogue spoken in the game. Mm. I just found that. So oh, fascinating. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll go into some more music here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked uh, Enemy Within. So eventually, as you figure out, as the plot develops and things get intense between J.C. Denton and his brother Paul Denton, and you find things out and betrayals and all, all that sorts of good stuff, you find yourself in Unatco again. And this is battle music within Unatco. Mm. Um uh, which you composed, right? That that one, I... Th- uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, the, the, you, at, you you returned to, to, yeah, to UNATCO. Yeah, when, when you returned to UNATCO. And I did do that. You, you like did do that one. Set, that's know, right. Yeah. And then, of course, you composed uh, The Synapse, Hong Kong Streets. Oh, yeah. Which I would say that's probably your most well-known uh, Deus Ex track, probably. besides the main title theme. Uh, really awesome, very... Well, it's very melodic. Yeah, very, 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 very melodic. Very song structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Versa Life. And with Versa Life, I always recall, like, the beginning aspect of it gave me this very, like, uneasy feeling because you're sneaking into this place that is just a big facade for the Majestic 12. Right. Uh, that their inner workings are, like, beyond those office cubicles and uh-huh. stuff like that. So, with, the, with the hand. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, with that epic hand that you see in the beginning <laughs> of the game, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, we got uh, Enemy Within, The Synapse, and Versa Life.
and we're back. Yeah, those were like it started with such a high octane like battle music. They just glided right back in uh, at the end there. Sections, yeah, yes. it was a, a nice mix of emotions. Sneaky, sneaky, Charlie. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I kind of get vibes like because around this time, this is what I was playing was probably Perfect Dark. And they're not uh, like I, I more Grant Kirko. Yeah, haunting you. It's an intentional callback. Yeah, and it's why am I not getting any gang awards? What's going on here? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a similar like uh, this two very different approaches to a similar idea of like you know corporations messing with with people. But uh, yeah, and between yeah. that and Russell Shaw's uh, work on Syndicate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, sure, yeah. way old syndicate. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you pressed so the right I, button? I wanted to. I do not make mistakes voice of that acting. kind. Your hand might have slipped. No, I wanted orange. It gave me lemon lime. <laughs> the machine would not make a mistake. It's the maintenance man. He knows I like orange. So you think the staff has some kind of plot? Yes, they do that on purpose. <laughs> uh, Gunther and Anna Navarre. Uh, voice acting in Deus Ex is really something. Um, I know a lot of... There are very small amount of voice actors that do all the kinds of crazy accents mm-hmm. in the game. Um, one, one choice... Uh, Sound was the death scream in Deus Ex, which still makes me crack up to this day. Uh, wow. That's every every male wow. death in the game. It is it's like, juicy. Aah! Now, it, it, there's there, there's YouTube videos of people like spawning hundreds of like characters and they all die right. and, like you know with that same scream. Right, so right. So just... imagine that piling up. It's just intense. Um, <laughs> That was that one was done by Peter Mar- Marquard, right? That Peter Marquard and passed and away he, a few weeks, uh, years ago. He yeah, he did, and you know, it's 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 very sad. Mm. Um, he, he was a real nice guy. Uh, he he knew he had connectivity with. Uh, uh, he was in, as a matter of fact, El Mariachi as the villain. That's right. He was the villain mm. in El Mariachi. Yeah, and um, and and so he he knew you know a bunch of people. As a matter of fact, he was in Dallas at the time. So. Uh, so there's two studios for Ironstorm. There's the Dallas studio with John Romero mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Austin studio with Warren Spector. And so, like, he, Peter, and Stan Nuvo, who was the audio director overall at Ironstorm at the time, mm-hmm. was uh, were doing, like, the VO. And mm-hmm. so, like, Peter, like, what, what he would do is he'd just, like, pull people off the street and, pull, wow. put, you know, take them up to the, to the Ross building where they, you know, the top floor where they had their offices wow. mm-hmm. and record yeah. them. And so that did lead to some very, in, like you say, very interesting accents. Uh, very extreme sort of examples of like what we like to point to in game mo- mm-hmm. uh, game vo and and uh, have you heard of audioatrocities.com? Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. So yeah, the best. <laughs> so that's like it's it's kind of surprising that they haven't put some of the Deus Ex wow, dialogue. Yeah. In there, yeah, But at the same time, you know, like they're. <laughs> Uh, but but it, it'll be weird. there now. There's yeah yeah. There's there's kind of a there's kind of a love hate, but also a, like almost an affection for the sort of style of J C Denton's voice. Yeah. Like people don't yeah. hate it, but mm. they're you know they but they kind of like you know it's tongue in cheek. Like so, yeah. the line "What a shame!" He just goes "What a shame!" Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> my vision is augmented. My vision is yeah. augmented. Like like too funny. And I Adam Jensen in Human Revolution, I guess, adds a little more emotion there, but he still right, has that right. like gravelly like they. Does yeah. and there's like there's it's kind of standard. I think that the you know that, yeah. Drake from Drake's Fortune is like the first guy to sort of step a little bit out of the mm. s- solid snake territory. Right. And thank God for for that. You it's know, great. It's like, mm-hmm. So I guess real quick, if before we move on to Invisible War, uh, yeah. which you also worked on, I guess we'll do uh, 
Duclair Chateau, which I'm sorry is another one you didn't <laughs> work on, and uh, Paris Action. Oh no, I I did. You did actually. Do, okay, du- Duclair did. Chateau. Okay. Mikhail and I collaborated. on You collaborated. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a really chill one. Very calming. There's a lot of secrets you find in that chateau during that moment, and it was really cool to listen uh, to that really atmospheric track. And then Paris Action, which is kind of a variation of all the Paris themes, which is just very high octane again and really awesome. So I'm gonna have to listen to these because I can't remember what we what either of us did on, <laughs> on these. It's all good. All right, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go into those and we'll be back.
What was the name of the first one that we played in that uh, week? That was uh, Duclair Chateau. That's probably my favorite one I've heard so far. Yeah. Like, both of those were great. Like It's uh, very var- it's varied. Uh, yeah, well, I just like the... That we were talking... I was talking about how it has, like, a submerged, uh, a submerged yeah. feel, but mm-hmm. then when it kicks up with... You said that's when your stuff comes mm-hmm. in, uh, and I don't know. Just the way those melded together, I'm like, man, I'm into this. Yeah. We, that's why we really like working together. Yeah. Um, we hopefully... There's... There's there's plans in the works for mm. uh, a big double remix album between Ooh. Unreal and Deus Ex. Ooh, where we I both like collaborate that. on that. That'd be excellent. We need to, you know, obviously see what you know, like permissions we excuse me, see what permissions we can get mm-hmm. through louder maybe, and mm. then you know, because there's always it's, fees it's associated with stuff like that, you know. But yeah. still, um, but yeah, we we we, uh, we we there's also somebody that asked us to collaborate on this new game Void Runner, which is this crazy sort of like. Uh, a flight sim, not flight simulator. It's like a mm. a, a fighter space fighting mm. game, or the you know, and and it's got like, like a, a dog ton of thing. yeah, exactly. Okay. And you, so you're flying through, and it's third person, but the detail is just crazy. Oh. It's just like you're you know fighting. If, like if 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 you were on Krypton and there were mm-hmm. fighters going around in this massive uh, overhead battle, that would or yeah. you know like um uh, uh, what Guardians of the Galaxy, right. except mm. except very dark. So mm. anyway, anyway, so we got, we got asked to be a part of that, but their money came from Kickstarter, so they're just like, oh, we can't quite pay you yet, sure. but like <laughs> stay stay tuned. We really are looking for funds. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, and you're you're no stranger to Kickstarter. You had that Just Fun album, yeah, absolutely. yeah, a lot of fun. You worked with Vert on that and a bunch of others. Right? Vert uh, and Grant, Danny B, Grant Stemmage, Henry, right? Yes, yeah. Grant Henry was yeah. he did amazing. Jameson Sutton um, worked with him on that. Uh, it was mostly a collaborative type thing. And Jillian Aversa and Andrew Aversa contributed right. to a track. Uh, Brian Rudge, which is somebody that I used to write. I mean, as a matter of fact, Brian Rudge has a tune for Area Fifty One in the original Deus Ex, ah, but he, but he okay. goes uncredited, really, because I didn't actually list him in the credits. Like he, <laughs> oh, no. he was. I, th- I mean, like I don't think he would. Like I think I told him, I was like, well, I don't want you to get in trouble, and I don't want you, to, you know for your job or anything like that. And I was just a load of BS. I should have just put his name in there. Wow. So was I'll, it was it the bunker music or like begin the yes. end? Yes, I love that one. I, yes, and that he, plays he, in the multiplayer section of the game as well. He did. Yeah. He did. He did great. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Uh, you were mentioning the music, uh, the like underwater esque. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Ocean Lab Complex oh, music because. Awesome. I just love. It kind of starts off with this little synthy bit, but but then it kind of jumps into this and mm. plays this really cool. I don't know if I don't know if you get as much of a watery vibe as Duclair Chateau, but yeah, hmm. I just really dig. Uh, no, I like it though. I yeah. like. I mean, oh, this part that kind of gets yeah. it to me. Yeah. I don't. And since I lack any Square music, waves. maybe that's. Yeah, I have I have no music vocabulary. It's, it's either going to be space or underwater. So. Right. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Right. So, so when you when you when you know you have to write like a cyberpunk, a theme to some kind of cyberpunk, like what's your go to? Like this is the instrument or the musical technique I'm going to throw in there. Boom. Now it's a cyberpunk song. It's a good question. That's a good question. Everything just came up as. Uh, according to what samples I thought were cool and what might apply to the area. Okay. So it's like I would I would get take a vibe from the area. Like Liberty Island mm. had this sort of 
like uh, at, it had a very atmospheric very windy. vibe. And, yeah, windy, windy. Exactly. That's perfect. It perfect. <laughs> That's a like perfect adjective effects. to use. That's what yeah. was going through my system at the time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of other things, like usually there would be a rhythmic element to it, mm. mainly because of the aspect of mods. Mods work themselves according to rhythmic subdivisions. So like you have to actually do everything within patterns. Oh, okay. And as a result, yeah. if you break them up that way, it's hard not to just throw in a hi-hat or a shaker or mm. something like that. Mm. And so they develop that way. And that's actually... That's organically, that's how mod composition ends up being. Uh, So like to do an atmospheric, really sort of uh, free flowing smooth track Mm. is a lot harder than to do something that's like more techno electronic based. It's like four four or eight or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So I guess that brings us into Invisible War, the sequel, which came out in 2003. Mm. on PC and Xbox. So, I was going to say, I remember the Xbox yeah. box. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. at this time, PC boxes were kind of disappearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Deus Ex, the original, did come to PS2 as The Conspiracy. I'm not sure if I recommend that one as much, only because the uh, uh, environments are a lot con- more condensed mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but it, it was interesting that they even managed to fit that onto a... It was a labor of Herculean yeah. efforts by, yeah. <laughs> by a couple of guys, Phil Sulak and Ken Cobb, who was mm. brought into the studio. And they previously had some a lot, a lot of experience in Mac, ah. but some experience with PlayStation. So they were like, hey, we want you to take this game and fit it on there. Right. And like, <laughs> and like you know, they game. were nervous from the get-go. They basically said, yes, we can do it, but there's going to be compromises. And it was, of course, the compromises that got everybody, right. you know, tearing each other's hair out over like what stays and what goes. Mm-hmm. So, but I think okay. they, yeah, they did an amazing job. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's still playable and everything. So, yeah, well, and it, yeah. and it we did we we did an orchestral version of the main theme. That's right. It had some new music yeah. in there that was not in the PC release. That's hmm. right. So, uh, with Invisible War, I admittedly, for all the love and passion I pour into the original PC version, played very little of Invisible War. Um, yeah. Remember back when it came out, it was a bit of hit or miss with some of the fans um yeah it got in the yeah. 80s for reviews but fans Although, yeah like that, fans either loved it or they hated yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah i like what i played of it i it still retains the open-ended aspects of deus ex and that ultimately is one of the big things that makes it deus ex for me right um but mm-hmm. uh i guess some people just had uh issues with like every gun uses the same ammo so it's like a universal yeah, ammo universal kind of thing ammo. uh and the environments were a lot smaller in comparison to the previous game a lot of people blame that on like the limitations of the xbox at the yeah, time that's true yeah mm-hmm. um so the pc had to like get in line with what the xbox with the, with what the xbox do, yeah. one was doing well which, and they yeah. had there was a, a big focus on trying to get better quality you know just higher poly counts uh, right all yeah. around, you know like it know, was more, visually stunning more yeah. detail yeah. and they, they got that more detail but uh, yeah like you're saying at yeah. the expense of larger environments right for sure mm-hmm. and then from a story aspect it's 20 years after the original deus ex 2072 um, and if somehow, because you can get three different endings in the original Deus Ex, so what they decided to do was take all three endings and mesh them together wow. uh, right. to for for Invisible War. So all three endings are canon in some way, wow. too, which is a little crazy. Uh, basically, the world is rebuilding after the collapse caused by the events of the first game. Uh, there's like an economic depression and war. You play this mercenary who you can choose. This is the first one where you can choose to be male or female, That's which right. is really cool. Alex D., um, yep. uh, and so you're basically a mercenary for hire. Can pledge allegiance to like several different factions that try to rise up and control the world. So yep. it's the basic premise of Invisible War, and mm. I would love to get back into it at some point because I, I was I was having a good time despite you know the naysayers out there. 
the freedom of choice is still there, multiple ways to take care of objectives and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, musically, very a lot more moody and atmospheric, I would say. Like it's a lot more ambient, perhaps even like a little more low key than than Deus Ex. Like you don't have Jordan Rudesque keyboard solos That's <laughs> going right. on, That's like right. Dream Theater esque kind of stuff going on. But it's very. It really sets you in, in, in the mood. It's still very cyberpunky influence. So. That was that was deliberate. Harvey yeah. Smith, who was the lead designer, like the original right, game yeah. original game was split into two design teams. There was an A team and a B team. No, an A team and a team one. That's right. <laughs> nobody was gonna be a B team right. and nobody was gonna I've be heard team about two. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so like Robert White, wow. uh, Bob White, who was like a longtime designer, uh, actually a, I think a programmer as well. He's like a sort of a mad scientist. He went to work at Los Alamos Laboratories in, in Mexico because he has a PhD in rocket science or something Jeez. like that. Oh, wow. Uh so super smart guy. Uh he ran like one of the teams and Harvey ran one of the teams, but there was some contention between the teams as to certain decisions and, you know, like a lot of, you know, heated debates and slam doors and things like that. And so they, they essentially Harvey took over the overall design direction for uh, invisible war and everything that he said made sense. Like mm. he would get in front of a team and he had a really good way of explaining, you know, the decisions that he would be making. But the problem is, is that like decisions didn't necessarily get made quickly. Like there would be a lot of, you know, back and forth and discussion and, but they wouldn't necessarily lead to a lot of iteration. Huh. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it essentially what that meant was, uh, you know, certain systems got a lot of focus, like the physics system. Uh, you could like throw a barrel and it would sound like a barrel being thrown right. around and behave like a barrel being thrown around. As opposed to the original and, where you throw it and, and it's it would clunk. just clunk. Yeah. <laughs> so that got a lot of attention. Like, you know, Havoc wanted to embrace the mm. audio system, which actually Brian Sharp wrote. Right. Uh, and he went on to be like a really big, you know, or a, a head, uh, a high up sort of a lead at, Bl at Bungie. And I think now he's at Oculus. Um, and we, that was also the game where we hired Mark Lampert as an mm. audio designer. He also did a lot of VO work on that. Uh, but he ended up being audio director at Bethesda, working on wow. uh, the, definitely, I believe, Oblivion. Wow. And then after that, uh, you know, uh, Skyrim and, of course, Fallout 3 and 4. Is that how you so, got into Skyrim? Because you have a voice in Skyrim. That's right. That right. Two voices. There's yeah. Ankeno and Ahmad Mochier of the Dark Brotherhood. I don't nice. want to date this too much, but uh, another podcast we do is 30 to 30 2010. That is, <laughs> looks at each week 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Nice. Uh, Oblivion is in... Has that weeks. really been 10 it'll years? Be 10, it'll have released 10 years ago holy crap uh, <laughs> that is man yeah Jeez. it just it yeah. yeah the idea of the something like that being 10 years old is what it stood out of my mind enough that as soon as you said oblivion i'm like oh my god um but <laughs> this old. is also a time when like a 2000 games were still kind of doing trying to still do game music in air quotes with like you know yes video gamey stuff and then by 0304 which is when invisible war was yeah. out like that is when I started to notice more and more games were trying to go down this, oh, like a movie. Let's do a cinematic score. Yeah, which, exactly. Which is great. Like, it is good, but it is also like, it was kind of sad to watch all these big games and series that I loved going this different direction. And then now it seems to kind of come back a little. Like, some yeah. of them are kind of pulling back. Right. Like, you know what? That was part of the feel a little bit. Melody's so. important. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. this, this is definitely like yeah. 04 to 08. I do, maybe even 09, really. I feel like a lot of games were like, oh, we need to do like movie stuff. Yeah. Um, which I guess Metal Gear w walked the line pretty well. Uh, yeah. A little gamey, a little cinematic. but I would say so, yeah. Well, the atmospheric 
thing that you were noting about Invisible War was specifically because Harvey requested it be more low key. I see. He was like, I want it to be like as much like Thief as possible. Uh, okay. Okay. Because Thief is all, there's almost no music at all. Sure. And so, like, of course, mm-hmm. the fans were like crying about like, <laughs> how, how little the, like, the music was like, was a part of like what was going on. Where but, are the arpeggios? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it, so, like, you know, I did feel, I did feel restricted, but at the same time, like, that enabled the music to be richer, fuller mm-hmm. as far as that, because we, we abandoned mods at this point and we right. were going with just actual tracks that were, you know, we could, you know, hold down really yeah. thick pads and <laughs> have them sweep in and out and do things like that. So that, I think that contributed a lot to like an overall better, uh, non cyberpunky, but still very atmospheric, mm, yeah. futuristic experience. Um, and so like, as far as that goes, that really worked out really well. But yes, as far as like people going to orchestral mm. and like, you know, yeah, they, 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 they they still are doing that. Like mm. I played Dragon Age Inquisition, yeah. I guess recently. And I listened to the title theme and I'm like, <laughs> I really, it's, there's nothing that's standing out yeah. for me. You know, mm. it's, 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 it, it has, it has the, the depth, the richness, the, yeah. the, the texture and the instrumentation, but it doesn't have the, and I'm not demanding, you know, a Mega Man theme, or I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not asking for a Zelda theme, but like, you know, something that, like, having said that, Journey and Ori, right? Like, yeah. I can't necessarily point to, yeah. like, you know, we you only played like the, one song. Like, we 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 played the first twenty minutes or thirty minutes of Ori uh, in that best mix review, uh, and so I, you know, the the music was amazing and it was like perfect with the action. But yes, I can't actually hum it. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with like actually Journey does have a theme, mm-hmm. uh, but like, and it gets repeated throughout the game. So like, by the time you're halfway through, you've really got it in your head, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's and it's developed throughout the entire game. Essentially, the whole game is like one song. Song, right wow, yeah. so so like you know there's there's all these different techniques that are being used and experimented with that really make games like memorable but but you don't necessarily remember the actual thematic nature sure. of what that yeah. is yeah so it's true and in in a way deus ex is kind of the same right like you like there'll be something arpeggiated about it that really you know you dig but mm-hmm. you won't necessarily hum it synapse yes you can kind of hum, that <laughs> hum it all you want yeah. I picked two Seattle tracks. Also, you can compo- co-compose this with Todd Williams. Is that right? I'm sorry, uh, Todd Simmons. Todd Simmons. I'm yeah, sorry. No, that's cool. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was primarily the sound designer, uh, and he, gosh, he boy did he school me on a bunch of uh, audio uh, skills and really? aspects <laughs> of. Well, yeah, we're we're out of the the not dark ages, but like the cl- more classic type approach of just hey, let's just throw a sound in. <laughs> let's not worry as much about mix or you know whether right. it has a certain aspect to it. But yeah, he also was big on like he he introduced me to to like Mogwai and Venetian snares and a bunch of what he called hip urban youngster music. <laughs> so nice. I was like, you know, Venetian snares, I can't stand Mogwai was okay. Um, but you know, like it was, you know, very noise oriented and texture oriented. And so he incorporated some of that into his tracks for like Antarctica. Cool. So, yeah. so there's no like real composer breakdowns for invisible war. It just says Alexander Brandon and Todd. Simmons, yeah, he, he um, did. He did. He did. Uh, I think almost all the Antarctica tracks and maybe one or two others. And then the rest was me. Okay. So I yeah. think I, I primarily have your stuff here. Um, I've picked Seattle, City Hub, and Emerald yep. Suites. Seattle, Lower Seattle, and Heron's Loft, and Trier, 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 uh, yeah, Trier, yeah. Templar Compound. So yeah, I think we'll I did all those. Give those a listen. Very ambient, very subdued, but gets you in that Deus Ex spirit nonetheless.
we're all sufficiently relaxed now. Yeah. Uh, that well, choir that came in there. Welcome to Fiji Empire. Yes. <laughs> this is this is Michelle Norris. Um, but yeah, it, you can definitely see the the shift to be more you know set a mood. Uh, but the, the Seattle streets did have a little bit of a vibe back to New York streets, like you were saying during yeah, the break. Yeah. Like at least there's some sense of like, yeah, it's it's background, but there is a. I don't know. It's not a melodic thing, but there is something like I, I could see myself as I'm playing, looking at items, manipulating objects, just kind of noting like, man, this music's really making me feel it. Yeah, like it's working with the working with the location and coming together. Well, and there's some cohesion with the yeah, yeah, that's the word. I was yeah, gonna... and you notice this. Uh, the sh- you mentioned the shifts in in the music depending on location. Right. Um, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't really do. I mean, there might have been a couple places where we had it shift into an action scenario mm-hmm. uh, and have the tracks ramp up, but for the most part, they would just just be there and mm-hmm. like you would fight and it wouldn't necessarily change i don't mm. think we had the same kind of systems at all it was mostly like yeah as you wandered through like music would change if we thought there would be a lot of combat there it would kind of ramp up a little bit mm. and i think there's one case where you're breaking into the uh geez a weapons lab i know it was called weapons lab but i don't remember the name of the company that you're breaking into like once you do that like once you enter the building it's mostly all combat so like once you're in like i know that we like you know music like rhythmically yeah. increased at that point. Right. So Mako, Mako Laboratories. Mako, yes. oh, wow. like Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to say, the Invisible War soundtrack, the official release of it, I think it's on the main website of the game. It's still a free download? It was. It was. I don't okay. think it still is. Okay. Uh, and I, oddly enough, IDOS asked me for all... You know what? They asked me for all the tracks. Huh. I just I, I was just like I hope you don't mind if it takes a little bit for me to, to track them down put them right. on wave because like there's they're yeah. all still mod format from the original right. and then the other one uh, the I mean as a matter of fact that the downloads of the soundtrack uh, that existed were all put together by Todd and they are all uh, you know you could hear the crossfading right like so he would combine like for each area he would combine the way the tracks might have played out right. like and and make sure that you at least hear one iteration of them but right. he crossfades them together so they're right. not <clears throat> separate in that way like right. so i i thought that was a cool way to do a soundtrack mm-hmm. some purists might want like the individual right. things right. twice and then faded or whatever it is but yeah that's how they exist and but i don't know if i it's can not a, export them differently so it's not a complete soundtrack though right there's is i think there might be a few tracks there might be that a few tracks there. I, as far as i know like he got like well maybe not not all the endings right um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah. So, um, and then the same with Deus Ex One. Like, the, there is that Game of the Year uh, edition soundtrack, but uh, yeah, the but original yeah, but again, audio has com- over a hundred tracks. Right. So. It's not completely it's represented. Not, I'm sorry. I, yeah. the really quick anecdote about Invisible War. Oh, there was fun. a there was a designer. I think his name's Andrew Davis. I don't remember. Uh, really funny guy. Mm. Uh, so, like, you know, the, if you remember, there's a cre- there's several creatures, uh, you know, like the Greasel, I think, uh, is an Invisible War, as well mm. as the original. But there's also these bigger creatures that look like, you know, armadillos that are kind of mm. big mm. that you have to fight. I don't remember the name of them, mm. the actual name. But his, Andrew's term for these was potato dog. Because, <laughs> because they look kind of like a potato dog, well, right? But... but <laughs> But uh, but at the end of Invisible War, like this, uh, one of the guys uh, that you're talking to, oh gosh, what's his name? Tracer Tong. Tracer Tong. Tracer. Yeah, he's in. Uh, he was in the first one, and, <laughs> right. and now in the second. Tracer Tong says, "The whole system is going down." Or or is that in the first one? I no, I think it's. I think it's in the Invisible War. I know he we, is in. We start again. Live in villages. And then, you know, and then, you know, he's saying like how we go back to a primitive lifestyle and right. we rebuild our civilization. So like, but, but like Andrew, like put through a line in there that was, we start again, live in villages, wear potato dog skins for our clothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, did that make it in or no? No, no. Oh, that man. was like he was walking around the office saying that and like while we were making the game. And so it was just, oh, man, I could not get over that. It's amazing. <laughs> now I got to look up these potato dogs. Yeah, I'm very yeah. curious about them now. Um, yeah, you've, you've certainly made me more curious to finally get back into invisible war because it's got really cool things about it and it's got really cool systems like i said the physics system is something that if you know how to use it, oh it's tossing bodies yeah (laughs) and like it 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 opens up a whole different area of experimentation having said that yes i don't think quite the same level of oh i can do this oh i can do that was as thoroughly applied even though it was considered an incredibly important aspect i know Mm -hmm. that was a really driving factor in making everything but the other limitations, like multi-platform always really takes yeah. a studio and puts it into a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, previously, like if you have nothing but PC experience, everybody kind of is like, oh, man, what are we going to do? We've got TRC requirements. We've got limitations of RAM. We've got, you know, streaming off of the hard drive. And all of that stuff is going to take tech and, you know, like pull several people mm-hmm. that might be tasked with helping us make a, an actually cool game mechanic system. Mm-hmm. And so that is a resource that you don't really have anymore. So, yeah, I got handed to the team. They did a really good job with what they had. Uh, but at the same time, I think also Warren not being as involved with the design and more involved with the running of the studio contributed to that. Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just for what it's worth. That's awesome, mm-hmm. though. Um, <laughs> so, Alex, I want to thank you again for being here with us. Yes, uh, thanks a lot, man. It's an honor. It really is an honor because Deus Ex is... I still think Deus Ex is one of the best games ever made, especially on the the Western People seem to keep saying that. It's still so much fun to play. I don't care if anyone says something's dated. There are mods there that fix the dated stuff. Uh, So if, if you ever... Uh, if the listeners ever decide to check check out Deus Ex, wholly recommend getting the shifter mod. That's a super important part. There's also Deus Ex Revision, which like Square Enix is perfectly okay with people like uh, using on the original. Um, and then there's someone made their own mod called Nameless Mod, which I've just creates that, their yeah. own Deus Ex game, pretty much like an extension almost. Huh. So yeah. uh, the modding community is really impressive for Deus Ex, and of course. Lots of great memes. I wholly recommend Machinima's Deus Ex the Recut video on YouTube. Mm. One of the funniest. They, uh, they take the things. lines of dialogue and, and piece yes. them all together like, number one, that's terror. <laughs> number two, that's terror. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> electronic old men. Oh, that's right. Running the world. Old man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do you have anything you want to give a shout out to before we head out? Well, you guys, first and foremost, so thank you, seriously. Thank you. Uh, We were talking about MAGFest, right? Right, you should go next year. Know, just saying. Go. Steph Prater he, and the gang. He flaked out. He flaked out I on 2016. That I, I couldn't make it. Right. I know, I know. I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah, I, yeah. It's, 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 it's not easy between GDC and, and MAGFest yeah. with the time <laughs> off, but at the same time, that's a really good thing. It's a really yeah. good representation of fandom for yeah. game music. And uh, there's also VG uh, Video Game Music Online run by Chris mm-hmm. Greening. Used to write, write for them, yeah. <laughs> and there's, uh, that, that's great. Um, I'm trying to think of other folks. Jeez. So I wanted to call yeah. to mind your other compositions. Obviously, you've done Unreal, Unreal Tournament, Deus Ex, Tyrion, Jazz Jackrabbit 2, yeah. <laughs> just saying. Um, it's been... I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there in years. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's taking us out then? Oh, uh, I, I chose the Illuminati, which is the credits <sighs> music of Deus Ex. I love the the distorted guitar. It's like every credits song in the 2000s had to end with the distorted. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess so, yeah. Um, Any other plugs, (laughs) I I guess? Uh, I mean, just generally, uh, if this is your first episode, VGEmpire.com is where you can find the rest of the episodes. We're on iTunes, on Twitter, all at VGEmpire. We do 
a lot of, di- a lot of different uh, episodes spanning 8-bit and then getting into more recent stuff, not just totally stuck in like 8- and 16-bit days. Um, yeah. But uh, I've only had a few other composers on, so this is a big deal for me. Uh, we've had Tommy Tallarico sure. on, then we had Jake Kaufman on like four years ago. So there's <laughs> only a few. Um, sure. But yeah, uh, if you're interested in more, go out, check out the website or check out iTunes. Yeah. And uh, my plugs, you can follow me on Twitter at PatrickKUL. Uh, I do video game music drum covers on YouTube as VG Drum. And uh, me and Alex, uh, I have the I had the honor of sharing a credit with Alex uh, for the Chronicles of Time Chrono Trigger fan yeah, arrangement album. Yes. You did a uh, Guardia Castle, I That's believe, right. uh, That's a remix right. of Guardia Castle, and I did uh, I laid drum work down for Bike Chase, Ala's yeah. theme, and uh, the Lab Sixteen jam. So what's definitely the URL? Check it out. They can find that. At? Oh, uh, ChroniclesOfTime.net. Uh, we're on Louder, um, iTunes, and. I think it's twenty bucks, but all proceeds go to Doctors Without Borders nice. charity. So yeah. we don't see a cent because oh. we don't want to. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just really amazing arrangements on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really incredible. And of course, MacFest twenty seventeen. Everyone, yeah. everyone, go, go, like, just go. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for us. And uh, again, the credits music to Deus Ex uh, One. But uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.